got, we got some energy in this crowd today, don't we? I, you know, do we need to just run off some energy? I feel like it's like when I have my kids, I'm like, you need to get outside, run around the block right now. Just go, just go. And maybe later, save it for ministry time. We'll get there. Well, you know, it's, it's summertime in Illinois, and, and you know what that means? It's time for the menu to change. So I don't know about, about your family, but in our family of, of six, we kind of have these like weekly meal rotations that we do, right? Like every week or two, you kind of just go through the same sets of meals, but they change as we go from those warm winter or cold winter months to the warm winter months and vice versa, right? So in the winter, it's, you know, it's chili and soups and pasta because you got to have some comfort food, right, to get you through those long, cold nights, the gray, cloudy days over and over and over again. You know, I think we all need a little bit of healing after you have to go through a winter here, right? It's all just the same. It's, winter can be hard, though, right, because everything appears to be, to be lifeless. You know, it's, the trees have lost their leaves. Everything is brown. The, tr- the, the fields are bare. But then summer comes, right, and all of that changes. And suddenly, we actually get to, to, to reap some of the benefits of the harvest that's beginning to come in. And so, you know, suddenly those tasteless winter tomatoes that we've all been eating are, are just replaced by these, these fresh tomatoes right off the vine, maybe, maybe even like right out of your garden if you like to garden. Is there anything better than just like an amazing fresh tomato, salt and pepper? Mm. You got corn on the cob. My family loves corn on the cob. It's like every meal somehow gets corn on the cob with it. And you know what I've discovered about corn on the cob is that everybody butters it differently. Like, everybody has their special technique that they use. So growing up, like, we used to put some butter on, like, you take the end of the bread that nobody wanted anyway, put some butter on that, and you just roll it in that. It was, it's a great system. Well, now, Julie's family did it a little bit differently, so that's the way we have to do it. But, but she did it with an entire, that's true. She controls that, 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 that decision, clearly. But they just had a whole stick of butter just dedicated for corn on the cob. It's just all the time. That's the only thing. You put it back in the fridge when you're done. You just roll it in that. It's, oh, it's so good, right? No matter how you do it, though, that Illini Super Sweet Man, it's rocking your taste buds. Oh, you got the watermelon, like that fresh watermelon. Our kids love that. And it's just dripping down your chin. And it's down the chair and on the floor if you have an almost two-year-old like we have. She is, she's really cute, isn't she? Yeah, I get to show her. But she is a mess maker. Wow. She just loves to make some serious meat. But you pair all that with, like, your favorite grilled foods, Mm, it's just perfection, right? And see, now that all of you have left the room, you're, you're all just like, I'm hungry. What are we going to do? Where are we going for lunch again? What are we going to do for lunch? If you're watching online, like if you've gone to the kitchen, I need you to come back, all right? Everybody come back, refocus. We just, just give me a little time. I promise we'll get you to lunch. It's going to be great. See, isn't it amazing, though, that all these delicious uh, summer fruits and veggies that, that we get to enjoy, they all start as just a tiny seed. And each of those seeds carries the instructions or the DNA for growth, right? With proper sun and water and soil, they'll all grow uh, to create some of the most delicious foods of the summer. See, all all of these seeds, they have the the potential to grow strong and mature, and they produce a a harvest of fruit that it seems far beyond what a tiny seed should even be possible of creating, right? See, what we get to experience when we get to experience all of those things is the fruit of growth. And we can look around and see growth, it's all around us. And not just with the plants and the produce, but as humans, a big part of our journey is about growth, right? We, we come into the world as, as a baby and then we continue, but we don't stay there, right? We continue to grow all through adulthood, right? You know, we grow taller in understanding, we, we grow wider, but that's a topic for a different day. That's kind of a depressing topic, I won't go there. 
But see, we're not just designed to grow physically. You know, we're designed to grow in ways like we grow emotionally, right? You can't just keep throwing fits on the ground. At least that's what I tell Julie regularly, <laughs> if she'll listen. You grow relationally, unless you tell jokes about your wife, and then you've stunted that growth too. Probably going to get in trouble. That's okay. We grow uh, intellectually, right? You grow in skills. You go to school. There's things that we grow uh, to understand. And of course, we grow spiritually, right? So when we meet Jesus, we're, we're immature in our faith. We're young, but we don't stay there. You know, so we're, we're called to grow in our understanding uh, of Jesus and his kingdom. We're built for growth, both in the natural and in the spiritual. It's just part of, of who we are. It's, it's, it's in our very DNA, just like it's in the seed, right? Like, it's how God designed us. Even from the very beginning, you know, in Genesis, we see God telling Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He gave them a command for growth. But just because we know we're designed for growth doesn't mean that growth is easy. We know it can be hard, it can be painful and confusing, and sometimes we're in those, those cold, gray winter seasons of our life where we just feel like, I just have nothing to give. When we experience the challenges of life that it brings at us, losing a job or broken relationships, the death of a loved one, depression and hopelessness and despair, all of those things, they, they, they come against us in that place. See, we know Jesus came to redeem and restore a broken world, but right now we're stuck still living in the mess of a world that's not yet been fully restored. See, we know we have a very real enemy, and we know that he is defeated, but he's not yet departed, and that means we still have to deal with them, and that brings discouragement sometimes and confusion. You know, we, we have all probably experienced, maybe you experienced at least, growing pains uh, in the natural. Like, this is when your body's growing too fast, your joints can't seem to keep up with it. I remember as a kid, like, having some serious knee pain from growing a little bit faster than, than my joints were ready for. Like, that's painful. And it, we can have those, those moments in the spiritual as well where those growing pains can be hard. And, and, it, and it's hard to think about growth when you're, when you're in pain or when, when you just feel like you're just trying to survive. But growth is part of God's design. And today I want to talk about this idea of fresh growth because growth is from God and growth is good. And we want to be a people who are experiencing growth in every season of our lives despite the challenges and circumstances that we're going through. But there's, there's three things I want to talk about that we need to understand about growth and how we grow today. And so those three things that we're going to talk about today are this. The first is that healthy growth only comes from intimacy with Jesus Secondly, that adversity doesn't stop our growth. And that third, that growth that we do experience, it isn't just for ourselves. See, I believe our Father's calling us to experience uh, fresh growth and then extend that growth to the world around us because what God wants to do in us, he also wants to do through us, right? But we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help to do this, right? So let's just pray and invite him to come be our teacher and our encourager today. So Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here. I thank you for the amazing ways that you have designed us to grow and to grow closer to you, God. So we pray that you would come, that you would encounter us today, encounter us right where we're at, that we would learn how to continue growing and being healthy with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what does God say about growth? So we know we're designed for growth, and if that's the case, then we want to look at the principles in the Bible that, that God has laid out for us to, to better understand how we can experience that growth in our lives. 
So we're asking this question of what does God say our lives should actually look like? Because if we can understand the goal of what we're trying to go for, it helps us understand where we need to make adjustments and corrections in our life. And I want to read today from, from Jeremiah 17. And in this, in this passage, he's using the analogy of, of a healthy tree or plant. And you'll see these, these analogy of like natural growth in the world being used all throughout the Bible. And you'll hear it today uh, in this message as well. But this is what Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. See, this, this is a picture of what a healthy and growing person can look like. What's our, this is one of our goals. It says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. It says they've made him their hope and confidence. Their hope and confidence. See, when we're, we're dealing with those places where we feel hopeless, we have hope in Jesus. When we're dealing with places of self-doubt, we can look to Jesus to give us confidence because it's all about this relationship and connection with Jesus. So our intimacy with Jesus, this being rooted in him, it means that those external factors, those things outside of us that are always feel like they're coming against us, suddenly they're not bothering us in the same way because in Jesus we can be rooted and strong. When we develop those roots, they sustain and they support us even through hardships. So how do we develop deep roots? Well, see, we have to first and foremost be connected to a source of life, the source of life. See, we know that God has designed us for us to grow, but the reality is we cannot make ourselves grow. Neither can we make a seed grow. The life is in the seed. We can do the things like water and weed and fertilize, but it's Jesus who brings the actual growing in our life because he's made that life live there. So in order to develop deep roots, we actually have to spend time with Jesus. We have to prioritize our relationship and our connection with him first and foremost, right? We spend time with him. We, we pray with him. We read his word. We spend time together as his body. The church was Jesus' design because he knows that's one of the ways that we will learn to grow. We grow together. We know that it's, it's Jesus that's the source of life. So even though Jeremiah is found here in the Old Testament, we can go to the New Testament and see that it, it is Jesus who we're to have our roots deep in. It says this in Colossians 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him, him being Jesus. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. See, our lives and our identity is built on the foundation of Jesus first and foremost, right? He's made us a brand new creation that is designed for growth. And this is really important that we understand. It is in the new creation. When we say yes to Jesus, it said he makes us a new creation. That new creation, that new person, that is where the DNA for growth lives. It's, it's rooted in Jesus and it's not rooted in the world. So we have to be a new creation rooted in Jesus. We can't grow ourselves, right? We only can join in the life-giving union with Jesus that allows it to grow. God causes growth, we partner with that growth. And it says when we're connected to him that our faith will grow strong, that we will grow strong. And when we grow strong, what happens? It overflows. So growth in us means something that's happening beyond ourselves. Overflow means it's going beyond us. 
And it also says that he is our connection to the truth. And this is a point I want to I take some time on here. Because this is, is really important, that he is our guidepost in a world of distractions, of politics, of popular causes that promise us, if we'll only root our lives in them, they will bring us fulfillment. But I want to be, and I want to be clear, that there are some amazing things that we can support as followers of Jesus, and there are some things that, that need your energy and time to support and advance. There, there are causes that need those things. Because the world does need Christians who are, are fighting for the widow and the orphan, for equality and justice, and yes, even for political causes. But here's the challenge. Our mission must always be rooted in Jesus and his kingdom. Because there are a thousand things that we can support and be passionate about, but we cannot build our lives on them. If those causes align with Jesus, then we have to trust that, that Jesus and his kingdom will bear fruit into those things. And it can get flipped on its head when we let a cause, even a good cause that we're passionate about, become the foundation of our lives. See, I don't take a loaf of bread and stick it in the ground and hope that I'm going to get wheat that comes up. We plant wheat in the ground knowing that bread is one of the many things that we'll be able to make from that harvest of wheat. In the same way, we root our lives in Jesus knowing his kingdom will grow and bear fruit in everything that we do. Keeping our focus on Jesus allows our growth in him to bear fruit in the mission that he's called us to. Because the world around us, it's constantly changing. So what, what works today may need to change to meet the needs of tomorrow. And if we're rooted in Jesus and his kingdom, that's okay. Our foundation is secure because we can trust that his kingdom will show us the right kind of fruit to bear to advance his kingdom. So maybe instead of growing kingdom apples, we have to grow kingdom oranges. But if our, our root is deep just in, into the cause and not in Jesus, and that becomes irrelevant, then suddenly we're in crisis because the thing we've rooted our life in is no longer relevant. Let me take for example... Just, just to help illustrate this, say, say you're, you, you have a great cause. You want to feed the hungry in your city. It's a great cause. We can all agree. We want to do those things. But if, if we do that, and what to say we're wildly successful, we create a sustainable program that makes that happen, and you know what? It actually keeps going even without us. Well, suddenly, it, it's, we did it. That need is, is not the same as it was anymore, and we can suddenly feel like, do I still have purpose? Well, if we rooted ourselves only in that cause, yes. But if we are rooted in Jesus, he can, he can continue to show us, hey, what's the new fruit that you need to create? Maybe uh, the new fruit is about education. Maybe the new fruit is about parenting or, or whatever other resources that might be need in your city. See, it's important that we understand because if, our, if we're just rooted in that latest cause, we're going to have a problem. But if we're rooted in the kingdom, then our mission adjusts, but our foundation stays the same. Now, I know that's a simple example, but I hope it understands that principle. Growth, it comes from this intimacy with Jesus, and we have to be rooted in him and him alone. Now, for me personally, God's, God's been reminding me that this, this journey of being rooted in him, it's not just a singular event. It's an ongoing uh, relationship in which he brings fresh growth on this journey of learning and growing with him. Becoming a pastor wasn't somehow that I arrived at this place of, oh, I, I've got it far from it. I'm constantly being challenged to grow in my understanding and in my leadership. But see, God places people in our lives that we can have a great example from, and he's placed people in our church's life 
That can be a great example. I've, I've often admired Happy and Diane Lehman, our founding pastors and my, and my in-laws as well. But they've always had this passion and discipline to say, I'm always going to be learning and asking God, what are you doing now? For over 40 years that they led this church, they were always asking God, saying, I'm willing to humble ourselves and say, we haven't arrived. God, what are you doing and how can we partner with it? And I want to be a leader who continues in that same tradition uh, of moving forward. And last year, I committed to taking seminary courses as a part of growing as both a pastor and a leader. But see, the lesson here isn't that I was committed to taking the classes. In fact, what God's been teaching me is that I can't substitute my relationship with him by learning about him. See, a lot of us, we, have, we think we have relationship, but what we actually have is a whole lot of information. So even something good, even something good like, like taking these classes is a problem if I put growing in knowledge of Jesus before growing in relationship with Jesus. See, he's always going after our hearts before he's going after our minds. And he does that because he knows that where our heart goes, goes so will our mind. Our union with Jesus, and the Bible says it gives us a brand new heart in that moment. But what does it say about our minds? It says he is renewing our minds. Renewal is a a process of growth that is bringing our thinking in line with Jesus' way of thinking. But we have to be connected with him for that renewal to happen. That's a kingdom principle, right? We're designed to grow from this intimate connection with Jesus. We're a kingdom people, but we can't be rooted in something other than Jesus. And we can't just have head knowledge without heart connection. See, knowing about Jesus and not having heart connection is like just having shallow roots. See, and we know we want deep roots, right? What did Jeremiah say? Verse 17, verse 8. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep in the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Their roots reach deep into the water. This is an incredible promise. This intimacy with Jesus, we can develop roots that help us grow healthy in every season. We all want to be like this tree, right? Producing fruit in every season. But it's hard to get past those seasons of of drought and heat and adversity that we have to go through. And this is the second thing I want you to understand. Adversity doesn't stunt our growth. It stimulates our growth. And that seems backwards, right? Because growing pains hurt. We don't like those. Life is hard. It's challenging and overwhelming. And it can feel like we're just struggling to survive, let alone grow. We can look back at the last year and a half and say, man, I, I don't even know, is it possible to grow in the midst of the chaos that we had to walk through? We begin to question, wouldn't it just be easier to create like a safe space where we didn't have to, to, to deal with all of this struggle for survival? We could just grow and, and get strong that way. Wouldn't that be better? Well, on the surface, that might seem like, hey, that's a viable answer. We could do that. But it may not actually result in the sustainable, fresh, healthy growth that we want. I want to tell you about an experiment that that was done that actually helps really illustrate this this well, I think. And this is called the biosphere experiment. And so scientists, they they created this this biosphere, this protected building and bubble uh, where they could completely control the atmosphere and everything in it. Now, I wanted to think that this was something that happened like 10 years ago when I realized it was in the 90s, and that's way longer ago than I want to admit. We're not going to talk about that, okay? Don't bring it up. Anyway, 
what actually happened was the major discovery they had was this, one of the major discoveries they had was something that wasn't expected because they learned uh, the importance of wind in a plant's life. I was like, well, that seems, that seems strange, but especially, you know, in Illinois, I'm like, we must have some really great plants and trees in Illinois because the wind never stops. So in this biosphere, though, they had these trees. They were growing faster than they would ever grow in the wild, right? That would seem like a success. But here was the problem. Those trees were never maturing because they kept collapsing on themselves before they could ever mature. And later, as they, as they did some investigation, they found this was caused by a lack of wind in the biosphere. It was the one thing they had not accounted for or were able to recreate in this environment. It turns out wind plays a major role in the tree's life. See, when trees and plants, they, they grow in the wild, the wind is constantly, it's constantly moving them and, and uh, causing them to, to adapt. And this causes a stress in the wooden load-bearing structures of the tree. And so the tree, it does two things to compensate. It grows its roots deeper, right? So its foundation becomes stronger. And then it grows something that they called reaction wood or, or stress wood that happens in the tree. Now, don't hear me like the stress wood is just the name of this tree. I'm not saying like, hey, you need some stress in your life to get you better. That's, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Just ignore that. This is just what they call it. So, but that stress wood actually has a different internal structure, and it's actually part of what helps the tree grow to reach optimum resources. So it can shape itself. It can grow. You see trees growing in these crazy, awkward, strange shapes. Even trees that have begun to lean, they can, they can kind of correct themselves. They're always growing and pointing themselves towards the light, right, towards optimum resources for the tree. And it's this stress wood that's stronger. It allows it to actually do that. So it actually makes it stronger. The tree's able to grow in a more solid manner because of that reaction wood that is grown because of the wind. So when we're connected to Jesus, adversity doesn't stunt our growth, it stimulates it. It doesn't stunt us, it stimulates us. But adversity makes us in that place where we're like, oh, I just, it's hard, right? I wanna isolate myself, I wanna protect myself just like they did there in the biosphere, but that's, that's not the way we're, we're designed. See, we need deep roots in Jesus that allow us to stay intimately connected to him even as we face those winds of adversity because the Holy Spirit wants to redeem those circumstances you're walking through to actually make you stronger. Because he knows we live in a world where the wind is blowing constantly. It's blowing against us and he designed us to experience fresh growth in the midst of those challenges so we would always be pointed towards the sun, towards his light. And when we do that, we can now withstand those attacks and the winds of the enemy. But when we try to control every aspect of our lives from all the adversity that's facing us, we try to isolate ourselves from all that, what can happen is we can grow heavy with head knowledge. We go top heavy with head knowledge, but we're not strong enough to live it out. So just like those trees, they grow really fast, but they didn't grow strong. So just hearing and knowing about the kingdom isn't enough. We have to be obedient to live out the mission of the kingdom in our lives. That tree in Jeremiah, it's planted by the river in, that, in, that, in Jesus, right? It's planted by the river. It's secure because it's rooted in the source of life. It's grown strong enough to withstand the heat and the drought. It's grown strong enough to withstand conditions that are designed to kill it. It never stops producing fruit. And that's because its roots are deep. It's connected to the source of life in Jesus. And as we produce fruit, what is fruit? 
Fruit is not something that feeds the tree. Fruit is to recreate itself, right? We are called in Jesus' great commission to, to create disciples, right? To give it away beyond ourselves. That's what fruit is. not just for me individually. It's something we produce together and for others. But before we, we, we start talking about that fruit, I want to make sure we've understand it. What have we established? First, right, we need that. It is vital that we have that intimate, deep connection with Jesus. Nothing else. We understand that adversity doesn't stunt our growth, it stimulates our growth. We can produce fruit in every season. That fruit's not just for us because we're people of the kingdom, so what God does in us, he wants to do through us. We experience growth and we extend growth. That's who we are. Now, in Jesus' famous parable of the mustard seed, and I won't read it, we can find that in, uh, in Matthew. He compares this kingdom of God to this mustard seed, which starts out as just a tiny little seed. You can see a picture of it uh, right up on the screen. But it doesn't stay there, right? It grows into one of the largest plants in the garden. And, and in the parable, Jesus says, like, where it grows, it provides life and sustenance and shade and shelter. It basically brings life to all around it. And it's important when we understand what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God, because it's important for us. If you've been around here at the church a long time, you've heard us talk about the kingdom. But I want to make sure we're all understanding what we talk about. So the kingdom of God is referring to the rule and reign of God. It's where his justice, his righteousness, his healing, his wholeness, it's where all of those things are made known. And see, we, we were in a, before Jesus came, right, we talk about the story of when sin entered into the world, Right? So we saw this kingdom of darkness suddenly begin to have rule and reign here on earth. But when Jesus comes, suddenly he's introducing the kingdom of God back in this world, God's original design coming back in. He was here to restore a broken world. So when we, we get to experience now, because of Jesus, God's kingdom in our lives today, but we live in a world that's in transition. So we know that while God's kingdom will ultimately have full victory, we still live in a place where we are in battle with the kingdom of darkness, with the kingdom of Satan. So since that time of Jesus, we live in this time of being in between God's kingdom being here, but not yet fully here, as we will know when Jesus returns again. And we call this the already and the not yet. See, we can experience the victory and the blessings of God's kingdom right now. That's the now, the already but we also have to experience the struggles and loss from living in a world that's not yet fully redeemed by the power of Jesus, and that's the not yet. This already is the place where God's kingdom is in breaking and healing and wholeness and righteousness, and those other places are the not yet. So when Jesus is telling us this parable, that's what he means when the kingdom is coming. The kingdom doesn't need huge beginnings in order to have big impact. It, it, it starts with just a tiny seed, but it doesn't stay there. What it does need is growth. And when it grows, it becomes a blessing to all who connect with it. It makes all around it better because it's there. And how does the kingdom grow? See, Jesus chose to grow the kingdom in partnership with us. You know, sometimes I wonder why. Why did you choose to use us? But he did. And that means that for us to connect to the kingdom, we have to go through Jesus. So he is our connection to the kingdom. That means we're called to experience the kingdom for ourselves and extend the kingdom to the world around us and to others. So it's both an individual experience and it's a movement of people that Jesus calls his church. So it's a me experience and a we experience together. You've been activated to advance the kingdom and we have been activated 
to advance the kingdom together, me and we. You know, as a church, we are always uh, continuing to look for opportunities for fresh growth, right? That's what it means when we say we're uh, ascending and a researching church. We seek ways to, to grow and disciple people and disciple other churches as well. You know, things like our School of Kingdom Ministry or our More Love, More Power Conference are good examples of that. You know, we grow up leaders uh, who are sent out. And sometimes they're sent out and they go to other churches. And sometimes they're sent out as church plants or multi-sites in places where those areas now have a thriving, healthy church. We've planted a seed of the kingdom that can grow and make better all who are around it. We want it to grow and become fruitful. And regardless of whether our growth is individual or together, as the church, we are built for growth. Guys, you are built for growth. You were built for deep, intimate connection with Jesus that will transform and change the way you look at the world around you. We have all faced adversity and challenges. The enemy wants to use those things to stunt our growth, to stop us. But God says, no, I'm redeeming those things to make you stronger. So when we look at the world today and we see the winds of change blowing constantly, and it feels like it's growing, it's beyond our control, we can know what happens in the wind. God is using those things to strengthen us. He's using it to strengthen his church. Jesus is not in retreat, so don't buy the lie that we are in retreat. Christians are not in retreat. The world needs us more than ever. And we know that we can continue to leave the world a better place as we experience and extend God's fresh growth everywhere that we go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are here. God, you are, are bringing us fresh growth even in the midst of challenges. God, you never leave us or forsake us. You promise, God, that you will always be there with us, living in union with us, bringing deep, intimate connection with you that grows us despite the winds of, of challenges and adversity that we face. So, God, I pray that you would continue to indwell in us. I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for your presence as we worship you, God, that in that you are growing us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us today. You can find more content like this at vineyardlive.us. There you'll find conferences, training, and worship. You can check it out at vineyardlive.us.